This is Michael Popak, Karen Friedman, Eknifolo, Legal AF Hot Take. We've got some breaking news in the Donald Trump, Stormy Daniels indictment process. We've got reporting that not only the 23, all 23 of the grand jurors show up for duty this afternoon, called in by the district attorney, the Manhattan district attorney, but one witness at least has already gone in and testified for almost a couple hours. David, I know why he calls himself Picard, but it, we'll call him David Pecker, formerly the founding uh, founder and publisher of the National Enquirer through a company called America Media, a best friend, a BFF of Donald Trump for years, dating back to Palm Beach County and Boca Raton, where National Enquirer was based, who's already, his company, already pled guilty to uh, federal election law crimes related to things like Stormy Daniels and the payment to Stormy Daniels and to another woman who claims that she had sex or had an affair with uh, Donald Trump's uh, Karen McDougal. David Picard has already testified. He's one of nine people that have already gone in to this grand jury and testified. And we know what his testimony is because in the non-prosecution agreement, that the federal prosecutors back in 2018 signed with his employer, America Media, in the, in the uh, allegations of the non-prosecution agreement, it lays out exactly what David Picard is going to testify to. He is the inventor of the catch and kill program. He met with, this is according to the federal prosecutors in their non-prosecution agreement, he met with Michael Cohen, then the in-house general counsel, consigliere for Michael, for uh, Donald Trump, and a then unnamed member of the Trump campaign from 2016. We now could probably figure out, because there's only been one person from the Trump campaign that's gone in to this grand jury, and that's Kellyanne Conway. So for the purposes of this hot take, we're going to say it's Kellyanne Conway. Kellyanne Conway and Michael Cohen go to Boca and meet live with David Picard, the publisher. He offers to run a program to help kill negative stories against his buddy, Donald Trump, then candidate Trump. The first test case for that was Karen McDougal, a playmate who claims that she had an affair with Donald Trump also. And he arranged a direct payment to her for $150,000, very similar to the $130,000 that was paid by Michael Cohen to Stormy Daniels. They promised her, and it was all a lie, all a ruse, the National Enquirer promised her that she'd be the cover girl, the cover story on some of their articles. None of that was true. It was a catch and kill program. Catch it, pay the person, have them enter a non-disclosure agreement and a confidential agreement, and then never have that story see the light of day. David Picard is also at the center of Stormy Daniels because he arranged this time through Michael Cohen the payment of $130,000 which, which, by the way, came out of Michael Cohen's home equity line. He took out a loan to pay Stormy Daniels because he knew he was getting repaid by Donald Trump. That is what David Picard has already testified. So here's the question for my colleague, friend, and former prosecutor, and former number two in the very office that's prosecuting Donald Trump right now, the Manhattan DA's office, Karen Freeman Ignifolo. What is what are you what's your takeaway? What do you think? Your sixth sense about David Picard being the witness? Who called him? Does the is it the grand jury wants to hear from him? Did, does, does, does Alvin Bragg's team think there's a hole in their case they got to bring him back for? Why David Picard based on that 
that expected testimony. What does it mean? And what does it mean for the timing, possibly, of the indictment now that they got all 23 there and they need 13 thumbs up to get the indictment out of 23? What do you think, Karen? So what this tells us is that, first of all, we're timing wise, we're at the very end. This is a rebuttal witness because as you said, he's already testified and he has now come back after the defense witness has testified, after Bob Costello came in at Trump's request last week. So this is the very end and, and that's where we are timing wise. As for why they called him again, my prediction and my supposition is because is for two reasons. Number one, he testified, it was a long time ago. He was one of the very first witnesses who testified back in January. And that, that was a long time ago. And sometimes when when you, there, there is no summation in a, the grand jury process like there would be at a trial where you could remind them of testimony that was five months ago or three months ago or whatever whatever this was. And, and so it is good to sometimes bring someone back to underscore points that they already made. Also, I think there would have been claims made by, by um, Mr. Costello about Michael Cohen and why you can't trust or believe him. And a lot of this rests on, there's no doubt that Stormy Daniels was paid. There's no doubt that she was paid by Michael Cohen. And there's no doubt that there were 11 different pay payments that were made and that there were entries in the books and records that said it was for a legal retainer that there was no such retainer. So really the only open questions for the grand jury have to do with two things. Number one, what did Donald Trump know or not know? Like what, what was his involvement in this? Was this at his direction? Did he know about it? You know, linking this to Trump, number one. And then number two, was this to influence the election, or was this for some other reason, uh, as Donald Trump is saying, like, because I didn't want Melania to know. And to the extent that Michael Cohen, his credibility is such that anything he says has to be corroborated, and we know that he's going to say that Trump knew and that this was for the purpose of influencing the election, the more witnesses you can put in to shore that fact up and to corroborate that, I think that's what's necessary here. And David Pecker, I think, is somebody who is in uniquely positioned to, to say those things, right? He was friends with Donald Trump. <clears throat> he was, his job, his agreement, his, frankly, co-conspire, you know, co-conspiracy conspiracy with Donald Trump was this catch and kill program to help the election, right? That That's what they were doing. And so he's a great person to bring in to corroborate that fact, to show that this was for the purpose of influencing the election and that this was very much at the behest of Donald Trump. And so that is why the prosecutors would call him now and call him just to i'm sure i'm sure bob costello did a great job at doing what a defense attorney will do to michael cohen at trial which is call his credibility into question so the more you can shore up anything he said that's what you need to do. And, and, and I think Michael Cohen's a great witness in the sense that he provides all the color and insight and background to everything that goes on and went on and how Donald Trump does things. Because as he said, he wrote the book. 
but you do need this corroboration and and he and I think David Pecker is a is the person to to do that and so that's why they would have called him today what that tells me there was some speculation last week that that uh, Alvin Bragg's office the Manhattan DA's office is potentially considering not asking the grand jury to vote on this case. And I would say the fact that they're putting on a rebuttal witness would would tell me that they are going to ask them to vote. It's just a matter of when. And so it's up to the grand jury to vote. You need 13 people to vote to indict. Uh, but you know, this grand jury has the weight of the world on their shoulders because they know that Donald Trump is out there making threats. They've seen him make threats before to other people. They've seen what he did to the mother-daughter duo down in Georgia who were just regular people just like grand jurors are and how they said that he ruined their life. And it's a it's got to, it's, and then he's, they see what he would do to a sitting prosecutor, threatening him with a baseball bat and saying that there's going to be death and destruction. All of that has to weigh on these grand jurors. Uh, and so I, I, I worry a little bit about some of them could potentially feel fear uh, to, do, to do the right thing here. So I think, though, that uh, law enforcement is, is very much protecting them and going to continue to protect them. And it is a secret proceeding, but it is something that I think we can't underestimate that pressure that they are feeling here based on Donald Trump's actions. The question now is when will they ask the grand jury to vote? And and that's going to be soon. It could be today. It could be Wednesday. And my guess, it's probably one of those two days. I also think my understanding is that Donald Trump has to be in New York later this week to, uh, to sit for a deposition. Um, so if he's already going to be in New York, I would say that that is a good time his Secret Service agents and law enforcement and lawyers would say that would be a good opportunity since he's already going to be here to surrender. And so as a result, my prediction is it's going to be today or Wednesday. So let's uh, let me unpack a couple of those things, Karen, from your perspective. I agree with you that the fact that they brought back Pecker, Picard, who was witness number one or number two, along with the assistant, then assistant publisher of the National Choir way back in January. Things are moving so rapidly, but they're also moving slow. And for a grand jury, the, the, the delta between January and March, end of March, you're right, can be, can be great. And um, I like your observation because I've made it also, and we've done it on Legal AF, about finding ways to bolster Michael Cohen, who, of course, for good or for bad, is the bride at the wedding and the body at the funeral when it comes to this kind of case. Um, they could probably make the case without Michael Cohen, but Michael Cohen went to jail for the issues that underlie the same nucleus of fact that underlie the Stormy Daniels case. Now, Michael Cohen already went to jail. He paid his price and he's debt to society and has come back out now um, to, to testify. The bolstering aspect is easy. There were only three people in the room with David Picard, Michael Cohen, David Picard, and I think Kellyanne Conway, who's the other person, and I think the only campaign person who has testified of the nine. So if two of the people have corroborating testimony that track with Michael Cohen, that bolsters Michael Cohen's credibility because you might want to suspect what Michael's telling the truth about, but he's telling the truth about that because those people under oath swore that that's what happened. And Picard, by the way, got immunity 
from the Southern District of New York federal prosecutors. He didn't get it from the Manhattan DA, but he got it from the federal prosecutors on federal crimes. So he's, how do I put this? He's kind of chaste and he's not looking to get singed by any other um, prosecutors. So I believe he'll be telling n the whole truth and nothing but the truth back to this jury on some key points that obviously prosecutors like you were see you know what, why don't we shore this up? Why don't we touch this up just a little bit and bring back David Picard? When, I, when I've tried cases and the jury's asked questions, which they do during deliberation, which is the closest equivalent I have to a grand jury seeing new witnesses, I sort of get a sense and I can sort of tell if it's good news or bad news for which side of the case, depending upon which piece of evidence they want to see, which uh, which uh, video deposition or testimony in court they want to see. And you're like, oh, crap. So if you're Donald Trump right now and his lawyers, whoever his defense lawyers are for this case, I don't even I don't even think he's sorted it out yet. He's doing some sort of um, hunger games, putting all of his lawyers on national television and see which one craps the bed faster. And so far, Joe Tacopina's in the lead in that category. But whoever his defense lawyers are, they got to be sitting around going, oh, shit, it's David Picard. That's the one they wanted to hear. Or that's the one that the uh, that the DA brought back in. That's not good. That doesn't help Donald Trump. Let me ask you a question, because you've said it here and on Legal AF, our podcast that we do midweek. But I want to break it down for the the, the new viewers, the non-lawyer viewers, of which most of our show is that. When, a, when the DA makes a decision, talk to me about the ways, the different ways that uh, witnesses get brought in front of the grand jury. In other words, is it the, the criminal target gets to put a list in with the DA saying, here's a bunch that we'd like you to bring in as well. Is it the grand jury asking to hear from people again? Is it the DA making that decision? Or is it all three or none of those three? Tell us how that works. So it's all of the above. So really the way a, a typical case works is you the prosecutor puts witnesses in the grand jury and there's two types of case there 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 are two actually three different types of uh grand juries there's you've been arrested and now we're going to put the case in the grand jury there's you haven't been arrested yet there's a long-term investigation you're a target and then we're gonna put it in the grand jury and then arrest you, which is what this one is. And then there's a third, which is just, there's an investigatory grand jury that is there to investigate, but doesn't ultimately bring charges. It may or may not write a report. And all three of those things can happen in the same grand jury, by the way. So, but those are the three types of presentations there are. And so when you're presenting a case in the grand jury, you, the prosecutor will call whatever witnesses they feel they need to put in a uh, prima facie case that the crime occurred. You also put in witnesses who you want to lock in under oath you want their testimony early. So those are other witnesses you put in as well. And then you also call witnesses to have them produce documents and those types of things uh, and records in the grand jury. Now, one thing to keep in mind is anyone who testifies in the grand jury automatically gets transactional immunity. So David Picard would get transactional immunity by virtue of his testimony. So you don't need to enter into a non-prosecution or deferred prosecution with those witnesses because they get immunity by going in. A defendant has a right to testify or a target has a right to testify in the grand jury 
if they know there is a grand jury sitting. So in other words, if this is happening in secret and you don't, you don't have to tell a defendant about it, but if they find out about it, or if they've already been arrested, you have to serve notice of it, then they have a right to testify. And if they, they say they want to testify, then they have to agree to waive immunity to go into the grand jury. And then anything they say can be used against them at trial. They also don't go in usually because they don't want to lock themselves into a defense yet, right? They, they don't want to say stuff under oath and then they're stuck with it. The final, um, and and the final uh, question you asked is is can a defendant ask that witnesses be, be called or can a grand juror grand juries ask that a witness can be called and both of those things yes it's really the grand jury who who decides what witnesses they want to hear from in addition to the ones that are submitted by the prosecutor. Yeah, that's the point I always wanted to make. I hear this reporting about Donald Trump sent in a witness today. Donald Trump didn't send a witness in today. Donald, the grand jury wanted to hear from Costello because his name must have come up in other testimony. No, no, other, the way it happens other, is- well, the way it happens. well, there, clear it up here. Yeah, so the way it happens is Donald Trump does, will say to the prosecutor, I want Costello to come in. Right. And so what the prosecutor does then is the prosecutor goes into the grand jury and says, and asks, right. there's been a request. Right. Would you like to hear from him? Uh, yeah, that's it. That's what I mean. So they, yes. it's a, like you said, it's always the grand jury making the ultimate decision. But the DA serves it up and says, hey, would you like to hear from this person? And they can say yes or no. Let's end this hot take on this one, because this one doesn't get much coverage either. When we're in a regular jury, in, in a trial court level, if it's a criminal case, it's usually has to be a unanimous jury, depending upon how many, you know, based on how many people are there, it always has to be unanimous. If it's civil, it doesn't. It usually has to be three quarters or something less than full anonymity, uh, unanimity for a, a, a verdict. But here for a grand jury, this is interesting, to indict, to vote to indict, you have 23 of them, let's say there today. But how many total you only need 13 so 10 can go no against indictment seriously yep. no we don't want to indict and if 13 and now here's the question for you let's say 13 it goes 13 10 that's the score 13 10 in favor of indictment i assume the prosecutor still exercises prosecutorial discretion about whether to take that indictment or the indictment is now returned as an indictment I mean, you can always not file an indictment, I guess, mm -hmm. but that doesn't happen. Okay. If the grand jury votes to indict, typically, I mean, more than typically, then then the it'll happen. It'll happen. So if they vote, yeah. All right. I mean, so look, thirteen ten, is, he's indicted. <laughs> I mean, look, the, the the real technical answer is thir thirteen people. If it's that close of a call, mm -hmm. that it's really thirteen. The next thing you, the prosecutor has to do is they'll actually look at the roll call, the roll books of who mm -hmm. showed up on what days, because it has to be. You have to have sat for the majority uh, of the. You have to be have been there for all the material witnesses in order so, to vote. In right. order to vote. So, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes there's 18 people, sometimes there's 16 people. Some You need 16 of the 23 for a quorum to move forward. But you prosecutors keep track who's been there for all of the, the witnesses who um, who are necessary that if you heard that, then you vote. So 13 is calling it a little bit close. So the fact that all 23 came in today is a good thing. And with a long-term investigation, you certainly want everyone there and you want everyone to have been there. I, I would guess that because this is 
Trump. You know, most of them were there uh, every time, unless God forbid somebody had COVID or something like that, and they couldn't be there. But those yeah. are the ones who, who will vote. So you have it here, and you're only going to hear it from Legal AF and hot takes like this with Karen Freeman McDiffalo, who used to be, just until a couple of years ago, was in this very office handling grand juries just like this one. Karen and I do hot takes like this about every day, if not every hour, um, on the Midas Touch Network, along with our, our, our legal commentating partner in crime, uh, Ben Micellis. And then we uh, anchor a show, which is the leading legal and political podcast on YouTube and on all places that you get your podcasts from called Legal AF on Wednesdays. Karen and me hit it. And on Saturdays, it's usually Ben and me, although we brought Karen on for the last several because of all the uh, things that are percolating over the Manhattan DA's office. You can also follow us all on social media. But this was a hot take where you learned that David Picard went in again to the grand jury, all 23 members of the grand jury. We know what his testimony is going to be. It's going to be about the catch and kill and uh, program where he paid off a number of women including Stormy Daniels, this time through Michael Cohen on behalf of Donald Trump. And that's a bad sign for Donald Trump that that's the witness coming back in. And as Karen Friedman Agnifilo said, we're at the end, expect an indictment this week, maybe even as early as Wednesday. Good to see you. Karen, see you on Wednesday. By the way, it could be today. <laughs> or today. Yeah. <laughs>